Hey guys, welcome to the second episode of the Millennial Investor Podcast. And today we're going to be discussing how should millennials and young investors start their investing journey. Throughout each section, I'll try to break every aspect down to its most basic form. Because in finance, many concepts have been overcomplicated due to the language used. But the concepts are actually pretty simple for those with a non-business background to understand. We're going to cover the importance of investing early. Simple ways you can hold the value of what you earn and your savings at a time where the economy is supposed to face a much higher level of inflation. And which asset classes you can utilize most effectively, such as real estate or equity, which basically means stocks or shares. So let's start by speaking about why it's so important to invest from an early age, right out of college, and for the years after, you will have many recurring costs, whether that's student debt, increasing rent and utilities cost, or even monthly payments for your car. And with all these costs hovering over your bank account, it's really easy to disregard investments in the years after your graduation. But let me just put into perspective how significant investing early can be in the long run, even if it's just a small amount. So on average, the S&P 500 has grown by about 13.6% in the last 10 years. And if you solely invest in an S&P-based fund right out of college, with something even as less as $200 a month, you will have approximately $28,000 at the age of 29. Of course, this is assuming that you graduate at the age of 22. At the age of 40, this value will increase to $184,000. And at 60, your portfolio will skyrocket to $3 million. All this from just investing $200 a month. So compounding truly is the eighth wonder of the world. The first asset class I'd like to speak about is equity, which is one of the most popular investment methods, especially with new platforms such as Robinhood and Weibo, making buying stocks seem really simple. You can either invest in individual stocks through research and create your own portfolio, or you can invest in an index fund regularly and reap the benefits of markets as an average to grow. Before we carry on, I'd like to take a few seconds to explain what index funds are. Index funds are basically a weighted average of different stocks. For example, the S&P 500 is an index that measures the weighted average of 500 public listed companies, including 3M, Goldman Sachs, and Intel. Other index funds include the Dow Jones and NASDAQ, all of which have their own mix of companies with NASDAQ including more tech companies and the Dow having more traditional firms like Nike and ExxonMobil. However, the firms held by these indexes do change periodically. For example, Tesla replaced apartment investment and management company in the S&P 500 just a few weeks back. Now, going back to our example of putting $200 in the S&P 500 fund, you may know that the S&P 500 is at around $3,800 right now. So how can you put just a few hundred dollars every month? The answer to that is to invest in mutual funds, such as the Vanguard 500 or the Schwab 500 index, which is at a fraction of the cost of the S&P 500 price. 
often between $100 and $300. These mutual funds are based on the S&P 500, but may have a couple of their own stocks, which they believe will perform. These mutual funds are available in all other indexes as well. With regards to investing on your own, I think it's a great idea if you have the skills and ability to do it properly. This might be through formal education regarding investing or self-learning. Various individuals through the pandemic have made high profits of trading individual stocks. Actually, today, 52% of households have invested in stock markets. But there are also those who have suffered heavy losses because they complicated their approach without having the adequate skills needed. In fact, there was a recent article in CNBC speaking about this exact thing, comparing investment without properly understanding the company's financials and their trajectory to essentially gambling your money. But if you are really interested in buying individual stocks as well, I would advise you to focus on reading on whether the company has solid earnings, are undervalued and cash rich. They should also have a low debt and their sales should be growing year to year. Also, it's a good idea to keep the stocks for over a year in order to save on taxes because you're taxed at a much lower rate. If you keep your investments for shorter than a year, you're taxed at the same rate as your income. But long-term gains are taxed at either 0%, 15%, or 20% based on your income. The next asset class I would like to discuss are bonds. Now, this is really interesting because I've come across many people who may not understand bonds completely. And despite having some basic knowledge, they aren't really sure how they can invest in them, which is completely alright, and you'll definitely have a better understanding of them in the next few minutes. So, just to clear this out, purchasing bonds means purchasing the debt of either a company or the government. Investing in the debt of a company is known as corporate bonds, and if it's for the government, it's known as government bonds. You can look at it as a type of loan that an organization is taking from investors. Now, most bonds pay us something known as a coupon payment, which can be paid annually or semi-annually. This is usually a percentage of what you have invested in the company. Say you've invested $1,000 in a 10-year long bond with a coupon rate of 5% paid annually. Now, this means that you're going to receive $50 every year for 10 years, after which the bond expires. And once the bond does expire, you will get the principal amount you paid for it back. This is all unless you sell it, of course. Which brings me to my next point. If the market for bonds has pushed the prices higher than you paid for them, you can sell your bonds and make profit on the difference. A good rule of thumb when purchasing bonds is that you should purchase bonds that are under their par value, which is nothing but their original value, and this can be seen really easily when you're purchasing your bonds online. When you get the bond for below their par value, you're basically getting them at a discount. And once the prices of the bond increase, you can sell it for a higher price and make profit. It is also really important to know that bond prices and interest rates are inversely related. When interest rates rise, bond prices decrease. Now that we understand what bonds are, let's go over the differences between corporate and government bonds. 
Corporate bonds carry a greater risk as the debt of a company. Hence, it really poses a risk of defaulting or a risk of bankruptcy. However, with a greater risk also comes greater returns. So corporate bonds will always have that slightly higher rate of returns than government bonds. So it isn't a bad idea to research a few stable companies of a large size and periodically invest in their bonds. Another risk that bonds carry is the interest rate risk, which is the risk of interest rates rising, causing bond prices to fall. This risk increases with the number of years you hold the bond for. So you can expect greater returns from holding bonds over a longer period of time as well. Of course, with bonds, there is a trade-off between risk and returns, like every other asset. But bonds tend to be on the much safer side, and while their prices will fall during a recession, it is much less compared to stocks or equities. Now we'll speak about real estate, probably one of the most popular investment vehicles. This can be in the form of commercial real estate or residential real estate. Commercial real estate is basically properties which will be used by corporations and residential real estate is when a family lives in that property. The main ways you can make money through real estate is either rent or through selling it at a later date. Rent is a great form of passive income and ensures you get monthly payments for the property that you own. You can also sell the asset once its price increases and earn a profit on that. While real estate will help you diversify your portfolio and receive certain tax benefits, it does usually require heavy investment. I mean, the price of the average home in America is around $250,000 and the price of the average commercial property is around $690,000. Furthermore, in order to really get that compounding effect in real estate to grow your portfolio exponentially, you really need to reinvest all your profits and continuously invest in this asset. Whereas in equity, you could always sell a few shares or not invest for a couple months and still benefit from your money being compounded. Other issues with real estate would include the fact that they're relatively illiquid assets, which means they're difficult to sell. And along the same lines, they also have a really high selling cost, like realtors commission and utilities. With advancements in technology in the real estate industry, you can now invest in real estate without buying any physical land. This is in the form of real estate investment trusts or REITs. These firms are listed on all major stock exchanges and have their own set of real estate investments. The best part about REITs is that they're required to pay 90% of their profits divided between all investors as dividends. Also, the fact that there are experts in the real estate industry doing your research and providing you returns on your investment just provides that extra bit of security, knowing that your money is in safe hands. Finally, we have commodities, which are basically raw materials that we can invest in. I'm sure many of you, have viewed gold or diamonds jewelry as ultra-luxury products. But actually, they serve a really strong investment and hold the value of your money. The value of gold and silver usually goes up during uncertain times, the greatest of which was a pandemic. And just to show you the level of returns, in January, before there was any fear of COVID across the world, gold prices were at around $1,400 per ounce. And when COVID fear was the highest, which was near the second wave in around late July, 
prices touch $2,000. So it's definitely a great investment to have with you. Of course, gold and diamonds aren't the only commodity. There is oil, silver, and steel as well. Commodities can be traded at a commodity exchange, which can either be a physical location or a virtual exchange. In fact, you can even buy a form of commodities through the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ. This comes in the form of exchange-traded funds, which is an easier way to invest in commodities, especially if you want to invest small amounts in an expensive item like gold, or if you don't want to physically keep the item. However, one thing to keep in mind before investing in ETFs is to make sure that you research which ETF you invest in because certain ETFs are managed by corporations which choose what the fund can invest in. An example of this is the USO, which is the United States Oil Exchange Traded Fund. And this is actually one of the most popular ETFs, which has a pretty infamous story to go with it. From back in April, when the oil prices crashed, the ETF was around $3, which is far lower than its usual price. And because so many new investors thought that the oil price was the base of the CTF, they invested a lot of money into it, thinking the prices are going to rise. It was in fact the top 30 most held names in the Robinhood app for over a week in April. The outcome was a further reduction in price of the ETF, which went 30% down, despite oil prices going up. Later, the investors discovered that the USO was actually not tracking oil prices at all and had invested in various other funds which dictated their price. So with ETFs, it's always beneficial to perform research before investment. So just a few additional tips regarding this asset. Bullion investments such as gold and silver are always less risky and volatile than oil. Secondly, it's also a good idea to keep physical gold and silver because again, with any ETFs, you're trusting the fund which created it and their investments in the sector. And of course, there's nothing which looks as royal as precious metals or stones, whether it be around the house or as an accessory. However, if it's difficult to afford this, ETFs is definitely the way to go. Personally, as a 20 year old, I've invested in equity and commodities. Most of my investments are in stocks, which include mutual funds and individual shares and the rest is in small amounts of gold and silver. My personal experience has shown me that while it is important to constantly invest in funds, achieving that compound growth in your portfolio, it is also really important to book profits and sell at certain points. In late February, when the market really started crashing, those who sold a decent portion of their equity portfolio and used that money to diversify into gold and silver were much better off. And like I said previously, as a rule of thumb, when uncertainty rises, so do the prices of these alternate investments like gold and silver. And the same goes with cryptocurrencies, such as Bitcoin, which has grown by about 268% since last year, and Ethereum, which has increased by almost 500% in a year. Through experience, I've also learned that it is vital to have at least more than one asset class. Things can go wrong in a matter of days and weeks, and hedging your investments will really play an important part here. And with that, we'll wrap up today's podcast. I truly hope you got useful information 
that you can use to grow your financial base and make smarter investing decisions with a long-term view. Next week onwards, we're going to start a mini-series on the outlook of certain industries under the Biden presidential term. And I'm really excited for that. But for now, stay safe and have a great rest of your day.